This is Exchanges at Goldman Sachs, where we discuss developments currently shaping markets, industries, and the global economy. I'm Jake Seward, Global Head of Corporate Communications here at the firm. We're coming to you today from London, where we're recording a few podcasts as part of a deeper dive into emerging economic and market themes around Europe. Today's episode is all about Poland, a country sometimes overshadowed by its neighbors, but an important player within the continent. Joining us today, we have Artur Tomala, who heads our firm's investment banking efforts across Poland, the Czech Republic, and Slovakia, and Brent Watson, head of the Goldman Sachs Warsaw office and head of operations for Warsaw. Artur and Brent, welcome to the program. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Jake. Artur, let's start with a quick macro look at the Polish economy. Where does it stand today, and where is it going? Poland continues to be very positively affected by the developments in the broader euro area. As you know, our economy heavily relies on exports, Germany being the biggest export market, followed by UK, Czech Republic, France. Clearly, the growth that we've seen over the last 12, 18, 24 months have positively contributed to the development. I think if you look at the annualized rates of growth based on the latest quarters, you would get to numbers which are inviable around 5%. Overall, I think if you look at the soundness of the economy, you see current account deficit in check. You have lowest unemployment rates, stable rates, relatively stable currency, not really being affected meaningfully by the EM sell-off we saw earlier in the year. So all in all, it's a very positive environment for an investor, be it strategic portfolio or otherwise. So Poland doesn't, as I said, doesn't get as much attention sometimes as the economies of Germany and right. France, but it's been growing at a healthy clip for quite a while now. What role does it play within the larger continental European economy? So if we put it in context, Poland is the eighth largest economy in EU. It has 38 million inhabitants. So clearly in the map of investment destination and overall, it has been a very important element of the continent. Historically, I mean, we joined the EU in 2004. The Iron Curtain, if you wish, fell down 1989. I think 1989, over the last, if I can remember, 25 years, we multiplied the GDP per capita seven times. And that's what then, with the uh, joining EU, effectively attracted all the investment into Poland because the play that most people have was it's a big market, particularly in the CEE. The next biggest market is Romania, 20 million inhabitants, and you have Czech Republic, and then it all goes down into smaller numbers. So people saw always Poland as the gateway to the broader Central Eastern European play. And I think it's proven, actually, that there's been a number of successful transactions since joining in 2004. There was a big flow of structural funds coming into Poland, which further stimulated the economy and we've been successful with also the government between 2004 and now that effectively supported it in a wise way, was able to channel those to various infrastructure projects and overall reforming the whole country. When you're running the investment bank in that area, what are the clients focused on both inside Poland and those who are investing in Poland? What are the trends that you're seeing amongst the investment right. banking clients today? First of all, they all are looking for growth. No matter which investor you talk to or which clients you talk, you want to grow your top line because you want to grow the business such that you have at the end of the day cash flows to support the, your stakeholders, your shareholders and pay dividends and support the broader ecosystem. So if you look at the statistics post-2008, we did not have a single year when the economy contracted. So within the whole EU, it's the only economy that actually has consistently grown and most recently in the, at the rates of 4% plus in the last few years. So on average, it's between 3 and 4% growth, which is a very good number and consistent number compared to, for example, Western Europe. 
let's say you take the box on the population, you have a big access to the market, which is 38 million people. You have relatively stable macro because of the currency, so uh, that place, and you have growth coming your way. So I think if you put it in a mix, it's a very attractive macro play. Now, people then ask, okay, so what do I come with as a product or an offering to Poland? Or do I come with the technology and products that work very well in Western Europe? And Poland is just doing a lot of catching up uh, relatively quickly. And I think that's been part of the thesis because consumer on average will spend more on mobile, will spend more on shopping. You need to bring the technology. As they move up the income they, they, scale, they need yeah. to move exactly as the overall GDP per capita grows as well. They spend a bit more. Their habits are turning more towards Western and U.S. habits. So I think a number of successful investments that people have made into Poland have been around exactly how can I anticipate the evolution of a consumer in Poland and then effectively capitalized on that. I think that the second part where investors and clients in general focus about is, of course, the predictability and transparency. And of course, we've seen the wave of, you can call it populism, you can call it whatever you want, but is in general people pushing back across EU and Europe because their quality of life doesn't grow as much as they would like to. They don't see really all those benefits of growth feeding into their day-to-day lives. And I think that's in Polish case to the change in government in 2015. And I think that people are just kind of watching right now how various policies that this government has implemented will affect potentially the outlook in the medium and long term. Given some of the populist backlash we're seeing in Europe, what do EU businesses think about further integration of the markets and the economies? Traditionally, I think Polish businesses or businesses that effectively have a meaningful Polish presence have evolved naturally into a broader CE platform. So you would see a successful business that started in Poland and uh, exported into Czech Republic, uh, Balkans, more broadly, very often Russia, Kazakhstan. So that was your dominant platform. Now, some of those then successfully managed into the Western Europe. And for a number of companies, they have been successfully operating a number of Western jurisdictions. And there will be others that successfully are kind of global businesses, if you wish. Now, there is a question mark is if EU, for whatever reasons, gets more integrated and suddenly there is this concern about, okay, can we at some point anticipate a two-speed Europe? And you talk about, okay, the Euro Club and certain decisions being made there. Is there the banking union? What does it mean for a number of banks, which are still very fragmented in Poland, need to consolidate, need capital, uh, liquidity, and they need to be part of a broader ecosystem? what decisions made at the kind of EU closer club or smaller club, how do they affect the day-to-day run of those operations? But I think if you go to Poland, there's a lot of support for EU. There's equally a lot of support for the local currency. I think it would be a challenge, effectively, how do you reconcile both being a very vivid supporter of EU initiatives and overall as belonging to something bigger than Poland, but then at the same time, at some point, parting with your own currency. So, Brent... We've talked a little bit about technology. What's your perspective on the role technology and innovation is playing in the Polish economy? In the technology space in Warsaw, we've been very fortunate in finding strong people. So if you look at the engineering division, if you look at what we're doing in Strats, three years on the ground in Warsaw and making an impact globally. So strong development skills, strong technical skills, so early days and already kind of deeply embedded in the teams that are helping to drive very cutting-edge things at the firm. So we're very impressed. I think if you look at 
the way that we've structured things. Also, you get the adjacency with other divisions, so operations sitting next to technology, so reg ops delivering MIFID. A lot of that was done out of Warsaw, so just that capability and having that adjacency, hugely powerful, and it levers us up. You moved to Poland three years ago, 2015. Goldman was beginning to build an operation there. We'd had an operation on the ground since 2011, but it really took off in the last three years. Was it the talent that drew us there or a combination of factors? combination of factors for sure, but definitely the talent, you know, first and foremost. So if you look at the point that Arthur just made about the inquisitiveness, the capability, the educational background, it really is the basis on which we were able to grow. So looking at our engineering division on the technology side, being able to solve problems and doing things across the globe at a maturity level that we would expect anywhere else that we operate. Strats, from a securities division perspective, being involved in deliverables such as space and very cutting edge stuff, those are the guys on the front line and helping to drive some of that stuff globally. So it's very interesting to see the level of maturity and the capability that we've been able to find on the ground in Warsaw. If you look at other divisions, operations, and risk, the evolution of the office in three years, seeing that maturity, and then comparing that to what I saw in Salt Lake working there, we're well in progress with respect to being able to make a global impact, and it's just been very positive for us. It's been a great experience. What's the government done to attract firms like ours to the area? Have they made it relatively easy? I would say for the most part, yeah. The government's been great in partnering around incentives. It's not you know, a huge benefit from our perspective. If you look at that, it really is the talent and the proximity to London that's driven us to Warsaw. As it relates to in-flight issues, if we're having a challenge in immigration, let's say, for example, being able to approach the government and find the right people and have a conversation, they've been very acceptable and helpful in that respect. So I think it's just helped us to seed the team. If we look at our primary hiring, obviously, is hiring local people, uh, hiring Polish people, but then also seeding that with expats. So having people come from different regions to grow the culture of the firm, to grow the capabilities. So just having those two married together and the support that we're getting in that space is helping us to grow faster than we otherwise would. So I should point out, since we're sitting here in London amidst all the Brexit talk, that this was in progress well before the prospect of Brexit came along. But how has the operation grown since we started? Yeah, so when I came in 2015, we were 30, primarily in tech. And as we sit this morning, it's roughly 670, so a decent amount of growth over the last three years. The first year was constrained because of space. We've moved into a building called the Warsaw Spire in the summer of 2016, which has really allowed us to grow to the number that we're at right now. What does the path look like going forward? I mean, I don't, you don't need to put a number on it, but... Uh... Yeah. Lloyd said 1,000 when he was in Warsaw in April, so I think that's kind of the starting point right now. And just like in Salt Lake that grew from 300 to 3,000 over time in Bengaluru, I think success breeds attraction of other divisions, other talent, other capabilities. So let's see what happens. So apart from Goldman, Artur, what other kind of international investment are we seeing in the economy? Obviously, some other financial institutions have followed, but what's the bulk of the foreign direct investment that we're seeing in Poland today? This government has been very consistent in trying to avoid what they refer to as the mid-income trap. So, of course, when you started in 1989, GDP per capita crept up. Overall, people felt better about it. But at some point, you say 25 or almost very close in, in a year's time. It would be 30 years since 1989. It's like, okay, so what's next? 
you need to give people a bit more than just assembling cars, being the outsourced platform that sits there, and then the income is somehow channeled out, and you're just being part of the value chain, but not really seeing benefits of that. The biggest focus of the government, but also of the other companies that actually came in to invest. As an example, Amazon has invested close to a billion dollars right now and has uh, four running distribution centers and will have the fifth one up and running if it's not up and running yet very soon. And it's been a meaningful part of the whole European ecosystem for them without actually having a store or a platform in Poland. So equally, Google comes a number of other initiatives. So the biggest question, I think, for investors who come in, they say like, OK, Poland is actually competing not only because of the cost base and the relatively cheaper rent per square meter. You can get an office, I don't know, 15 square meters or retail space, Europe per square meters, which is relatively attractive. You have access to people, to the human capital and also much attractive cost as well. But I think it all needs to come in a sense where you're actually getting access to this intellectual capital as well. So if you look at the pharmaceutical businesses, generics, biotechnology, you look at the aerospace, aerospace, you look at the startups. We keep saying that our biggest draw into Poland was also how can we effectively benefit the global platform of Goldman Sachs with all the technology capabilities that are there. You have a few thousand startups that are every year growing. The number is going up. Some of those startups compete successfully on the global space. And I think overall, is the, the question is exactly come up with a value-add product or service uh, such that also people who produce that can also benefit and see that stay somehow in the country and, and re-rate the country over medium to long term. Brent, obviously, going from 30 to 300 to 600, it's a young workforce. You're hiring mostly, not entirely, but a lot of young people. What are you seeing in terms of their career ambitions and how are you going to keep that young workforce as engaged over time? Uh, Arthur touched on it as well in that the value chain, the proposition of doing interesting work is the key cornerstone of building a longer term career. So doing interesting work, making a global impact, not doing outsourced business processing type things, global connectivity, being able to work with partners in London, in Bangalore, across the globe. Just that global touch point, I think, is very important as well. And then flexibility, being able to work hard, but then also have a life around that. And I think that Warsaw affords you that. You're in the middle of Europe, you can travel around the continent, having a job that pays well, that you kind of learn from it and get that global experience, but then also having some time to enjoy that, I think is very important for the younger generation and the older folks as well. So both of you could talk about this, but what does Poland need to do to take it to the next level? been a great success story since 89, some rough years right after the Iron Curtain fell. But what does the government need to do to sort of keep moving up? I would say a number of things. If you look at the trend, we're clearly moving in the right direction. If I look at the state of play right now, I think, number one, we are recognizing and government is recognizing we can't do it all by ourselves. So we need investments. I think clearly there are some savings in the broader system, but what we need is well-functioning capital markets to effectively continue stimulating the growth across the value chain, right? So I'm talking more about the businesses that operate and, um, you know, rather than them coming to London and list in London or Euronext, you actually would like to, being a proud or Polish-originated company that competes globally, why wouldn't Warsaw be an attractive capital market or stock exchange? What the depth of the capital market look like I, today? I know. I didn't look at the numbers, but probably you have a market capitalization of everything that's listed there around $300 billion, right. which is kind of nowhere. And we all kind of know the trends where the stock exchanges are going and trends are going. But I think there are initiatives that you can put in place, big fiscal incentives for actually the broader population to invest, put some kind of pension fund savings, special accounts, 
put some whatever read structures or some other legislation that's been talked about for a while, but actually not necessarily implemented yet. Mm -hmm. But I think one aspect is exactly what can you do to have enough oil in the system, if you wish. So if I'm an aspiring startup and I need some VC money, how deep is that pool? Can I find it internally or do I actually need to go to get some support from Brussels EU funds or do I need to go and, and look for that money in Silicon Valley or somewhere else? So can I have it here? Equally, if I'm a developed and advanced business, can somebody help me go and explore Asia or US and how do I effectively fund it? So I think that's capital. I think the second is more about the content and what can they do exactly that people want to come to Poland. People want to effectively spend time, the young generation, whether it's the fallout from Brexit, whatever will happen or any other way, the wave of immigration you saw 15 years ago on the back of 2004, joining EU, people have moved away. Now, some of them are coming back. Yeah. And then the question is like, what do you do to attract? I think that the only thing you can do is construct the atmosphere around Poland that makes everybody proud, right? Because exactly as we said earlier, the young generation, but also the generation that immigrated, let's say, 15 years ago, 14 yeah. years ago, if they are to come back, they want to be proud of actually being Poland and going back and living the lives that they lived in Germany, UK, France, and now coming back to Poland because there's this next wave of opportunity, if you wish. Yeah, Brent, I was going to ask about that. Obviously, there's a big, massive outward migration years ago. It's not as prominent with the younger generation. How is that dynamic working with the people that you're employing today? Yeah, we're starting to see people come back. People that have been in Singapore coming back to Poland, people coming from London that have worked for Goldman, for example, that have come back to Poland. I think it, it's all based upon the fundamental principle of having quality work. People don't want to come back and settle necessarily. They want to be able to make a global impact, do interesting work and get paid well for it. I think if we can kind of continue with that value proposition, we're going to see more people coming back over time. Yeah, I met with some folks in New York. We did an event at the Polish American Chamber of Commerce just talking about repatriation, what that pool of talent is. So we're seeing it slowly. I think you need to build that over time and seed it in at the right tenure. To Arthur's point about the value chain and that's a people thing. It's a capability thing across the board. And I think the more we can pivot from, you know, business process outsourcing shared service into being a global player. That entails having people from other parts of the world in Poland partnering along with that. I think that's the recipe for success from a longer-term point of view. So, Artur, outline for us what the long-term vision is for the Polish economy, the dreams of the policymakers today. What does Poland look like 10 years, 20 years from now? It's the dream of every, I think, government across the world to be a financial center and have effectively a strong capital generation and interest in the country, have a society which is effectively happy and proud of who they are. And I think if you look up 10, 15 years from now, I think the current government has laid out the vision of where Poland is going to be exactly in that time. And that's predicated on, one, increasing and mobilizing all that savings that are sitting in the system to make them work harder and harder. So A, provide the capital. Second, effectively ensure that there's a fairer redistribution of income that is in the system. Effectively, it's a fairer society overall. And there's a very big bet on the innovation and technology. There is a question that keeps coming up in the discussions at a very high level. Why in Europe we don't really have a Silicon Valley of Europe? I'm not saying necessarily Poland has all the ingredients, bits and pieces that we should be. You just don't become a Silicon Valley or financial center of the world because you say so. There's got to be bits and pieces that come together. And, and I think as we discussed today, I think Poland has a lot of that going for it. And some of those initiatives that have been put forward by the government 
and uh, policymakers more broadly, whether it's focused about the electric cars, about the innovation, about the startups, are very valid and actually have a big chance of succeeding. So Brent, you've been at Goldman almost a quarter century, uh, had a lot of different roles in Canada and the U.S. and now Poland. What drew you to the challenge and opportunity of building out this office and how have you found it? Depending on who you talk to, various people take credit for it, but my wife is Polish. That helped. So she was coming home after being away for 30 years. So she's part of the repatriation story. (laughs) You got it. So I think that was helpful, working in Salt Lake with Dave Lang thinking about the office growth, some of the best practices there was extremely helpful. And, and, you know, having that kind of in my skill set, working with Tom Dowling, who's now in Dallas, and and bringing some of the stuff that I've worked with him on to Poland, I think it just made sense. It was really a, a great opportunity in starting from the ground up and building an office was a great challenge. Artur, you are from Poland originally. You've moved around quite a bit. What surprised you most about how the country and the environment there has evolved? It has actually become extremely international. We talk about key cities like Warsaw, Wroclaw, Krakow, Gdańsk, but whoever I bring to Poland, being clients or relatives or friends, they actually were very impressed with how vibrant different parts of Poland are and have become. And look, I continue to go back to the point that we have this nature of actually getting things done and always trying to not give up and go around it and do things, and you see it, and actually... We've delivered a number of very successful businesses in the wave of the last 10, 15 years. We've actually, you know, right now have a multi-billion dollar market cap or valuation and they compete globally. I can tell you I very frequently kind of come and talk to our UK clients or German clients or other clients who actually have a vested interest in kind of following some of those businesses because they they actually have a lot of respect for them. So that, again, as as a Polish national makes me very proud that we can go and spread the good word and get some positive feedback. All right. Well, thank you both for joining us today. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank Thank you for having us. That concludes this episode of Exchanges Goldman Sachs. Thanks for listening, and we hope you join us again next time. This podcast was recorded on August 2nd, 2018. The information contained in this recording was obtained from publicly available sources and has not been independently verified by Goldman Sachs. Neither Goldman Sachs nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this recording, and any liability as a result of this recording is expressly disclaimed. This recording should not be relied upon to evaluate any potential transaction. Goldman Sachs is not giving investment advice by means of this recording, and this recording does not establish a client relationship with Goldman Sachs.